Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sarah's Space. It is December 1st, 2020, and I realize it has been a little over a month since I have last uh, decided to do a podcast. I've thought about it a great deal over the month of November, but I have to admit that the times and the passions of the times and also the special quality of November being my daughter's birthday month, uh, it all swept me away. So here I am uh, over a month later and today I thought it would be fitting and possibly, hopefully, inspirational to talk about love. (laughs) Uh, Not that I'm a love expert by any means, But I feel as though this is the perfect season and certainly the perfect time in this decade and the perfect time in this particular year to focus on the positive side of human emotion. And I'd like to make that about love. Love, of course, being uh, possible to feel in so many different ways and towards so many different entities and in so many different levels as well. And none of them are better or worse than the next, in my personal opinion. I was reflecting this evening about a novel I read many years ago called Love in the Time of Cholera, and it was written by Gabrielle Garcia Marquez. And I thought it was quite, I was I was reading, reading a lot of Spanish authors at the time. Isabel Allende was one of my favorite ones as well. And I was kind of caught up in the concept of the passions and the fiery temperament and the wild imaginations that kind of surpassed our more austere borders of sort of Caucasian European heritage. Uh, And of course, I'm taking some license there because, of course, Spain and Italy and France herald from Europe. And I would suggest maybe perhaps they are also described very much so in the fiery temperament description. So maybe I should just say that my background, (laughs) I won't even speak for anybody else. I loved the imagination and the passions that that were captured in that book. I also was reflecting on the title tonight because I just thought it was awfully ironic. Uh, Maybe I can title this Love in the Time of Corona or Love in the Time of COVID because I think that this particular virus and the havoc and tragedy and just terror it has swept the globe with, it has left behind so much grief and so much fear and so much insecurity and instability and worry, and anxiety, and concern, and fatigue, and exhaustion. And I think that we now need to find, dig deep, oh boy, it's digging deep, because even, I don't think I can even mask the fatigue in my own voice, and that's just from my own personal life, and my personal life choices. I'm not a frontline healthcare worker, or anybody that's working in a position in which they're dealing with the barrage of humanity suffering day in and day out, and I'm this tired. So yes, it's a time to practice and find whatever love is available in our hearts. I uh, smile right now as I'm speaking to you because my own wee household has the sounds of Zoom next door. You might hear some thudding. 
as my daughter is doing her ballet class on Zoom. Um, and just the hum and buzz of a household as we all share a space in much closer quarters than in times past. And really the beauty of that, so much less of the passing ships in the night and so much more of the being able to be around each other, which of course is difficult. As I was saying to um, uh, an adult dance student of mine today, you know, marriage is difficult. Uh, love is hard. It is relationships are a constant dedication and loyalty towards working it out. And I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now is just trying to work out how best to sally forth under the circumstances. And because of the position I'm in, in which I teach youth or, well, from the young, the eight-year-olds up to at this point, I've got students in my, in not in my, I wish, <laughs> not in my 30s. They're in their 30s. Uh, I'm past that now. <laughs> but I, in their individual existences, all of them are getting, growing tired. And each and every student has the wear and tear of whatever their life means. In the young children, it's, of course, what their families are going through and what their parents are experiencing. And maybe their elder siblings in school. In the older students, it's what they're experiencing in school and the disparity between uh, having the inability to dance in a studio as a group with their, their quote-unquote team members and friends or fellow peers and yet showing up at school daily in a rather loose, loose non-mandatory mask-wearing environment, which I know is stressing a lot of them out. And then if they have parents that also are in the education world, well, if they're educators in the dance world, they're really sad right now because we aren't able to teach in a group setting. We aren't even really able to be in the studio except to do Zoom with one student or two students maximum in the room. It's a very weird state of mind. And then if they have a parent that is in public school system, well, that, that parent is struggling with the fact that they kind of feel like they're taking a risk every single day that they don't go to school. They're in crowded settings. They're being told that they're safe, um, but that they should wear masks, but that the students don't have a mandatory mask wearing policy because apparently they're all in the same cohorts. And meanwhile, they very well know because they have teenage children that that only works when you're inside those four walls and then the quote-unquote cohort changes enormously you've got your family bubble you've got your dance friends bubble you've got your real friends that you've been close to that might not have anything to do with the cohort you were assigned plus you've got the stress of navigating the stress of your own family and and the teen at at home then there's the university students who have been on Zoom, I believe, since, and I'm not 100% sure if classes were online since summer semester or if it's been since fall, but that, even if it was just fall, that's three very long months of doing your lectures and your, your classes and how do you do labs and, and how do you go through that process of social interaction that helps you grow into that adult self. Then you've got dancers who've had their livelihood 
completely stripped from them. There's no performances. There's uh, no classes. There's no group classes. There's so many disruptions to their lives and their futures and their possibilities that a lot of them are just are in that state that state of mind of just frantically creating just to have a catharsis which in essence makes us all very very lucky that we have that because then we have human beings that are in jobs such as cashiers in grocery stores i can't imagine what that's like right now and what that's been like since march last year or not last year wow i'm trying to make it last year since last season and then all of the many jobs in between, going all the way up to people in government positions who, yes, have very secure and stable incomes and jobs and don't have those fears, but they have the wrath of the people and the public on their shoulders. And I imagine that that uh, inability to please everyone and maybe sometimes inability to please the majority, I imagine how exhausting that can be, that just that barrage of negative energy being directed towards you somewhere out there in the ether. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling as though the world is hurting right now and that there's a great deal of pain that people are experiencing. And I guess my instinctive reaction is to try to counter it in any way I can. I feel like I want to speak towards something that has become a catchword or a catchphrase, um, it has come to the forefront really quite late, in my personal opinion, but sort of predominantly in the last two to five years, that the mental health of people in a training environment, whether they be students or athletes or artists, dancers, that their mental health is incredibly important to their success and it is being taxed on a daily basis. It's taxed in the way that they are expected to withstand the criticisms of their own eyes and thoughts, the criticisms of their public, the criticisms of the people they choose to please. And then deep down that a sort of unveering faith we're supposed to have in our ability to succeed and fulfill our desires, uh, that that's exhausting. And now to add to it, this extra layer of dealing with things through a one to two dimensional medium. May I say that on that level right now, I am grateful that Zoom exists. Excuse me, drink break. In the sense that I wouldn't have been able to see my students for and all those amazing humans I got a chance to connect with last spring when I just ran my own Zoom classes, I wouldn't have been able to see anyone. And now the capacity to deal with the constant re-closing and, and opening and then reclosing of dance studios, well, we would all just be closed and dancers would be bereft of the ability to move. And I would be, oh my goodness, heart sick because moving is not only kind of in my my daily breathing apparatus it's something I need to do but now I have a child who has the same need and I have such a deep desire to exchange and share with her and all of my students that passionate quest for artistic training 
um, for artistic polish, for artistic avenues, for artistic growth, evolution, openings, and, and a creativity. And I know that the whole Zoom, the whole Zoom world, although we are lucky to have it, it is difficult to deal with. It's difficult to see our students through those tiny boxes on whatever large screen we may be lucky enough to have access to, but we still have essentially them trapped in a little, you know, however, for, on my computer, it's about a two and a half inch by two and a half inch square and uh, that's in a large class and then sometimes it can get a little bit better if it's a smaller class but I'm having to you know ask them to maybe sometimes change an angle or uh, many of them only have cameras to use uh, sorry phones so they have to change the angle of the phone down to their feet no now it's up at their hips no now it's up and I just I think about how weird that is because now it's like this just sort of critical, um, at a distant uh, examination of one's physical capacity as opposed to what one's sharing in the energy in the room. That's one aspect of it. The other one is the technical aspect. How many times have we all experienced Wi-Fi interruptions or unstable Wi-Fi or, uh, shall we say, uncooperative sound systems or what happened for me the other night was <laughs> um, I had a broom in the studio I was working in set up against the speaker. And I guess I had the music set uh, at a you know, fairly loud volume so that everyone could hear it. And it was, it was a piece of music they're using for their choreography. It's quite dark. It has a deep bass. And I guess it booms so loudly that it, it sort of bounced the, boom, the broom off. And <laughs> there was a big crash in the corner. Everyone jumped, wondered what was going on. Then you have um, this latest added stress of, of people feeling like they need to make sure that there's no illegal activities going on. So in some cases, people are, you know, having, having uh, strangers peer in through the windows to make sure that we aren't holding group classes. Let me, let me say of all the, all the people that I work for and all the places I work, we want to be back teaching our students. We want to be dancing. So I can guarantee we are not breaking the rules. We weren't breaking the rules before. In fact, we were adhering to the rules out the wazuni because what we love to do is being taken from us. So it's not a question of thinking we're entitled or have rights. It's actually trying to toe the line to such a degree that we are given just the same capacity to operate as everyone else. So back to the Zoom aspect of it, I feel as though I have such compassion and empathy for the students behind the screen. My daughter right now is on Zoom. So I'm also in the mother position where I can kind of hear the teacher you know, straining to sound um, ebullient and filled with, with engaging uh, commentary and the, the ability to see each and every student and and point them out in a positive manner and give them their their credits where they're working so hard. And then there's the flip side that, you know, the students are, are locking themselves in their bedrooms to get away from the, the noises of their household or the just the activity of a family or just because they have a floor that maybe is more conducive to movement or they have a little bar space or they just want privacy. 
because this is not something one normally does at home in front of the entire family. So there's that. And then from the teacher perspective, I can just say that my heart gets tired because with my students that are less engaged, the ones that have less training and less, I would say, that sort of um, self-disciplined autonomy that allows them to just kind of, I need to do this work now because it's going to take me forward into this and this and this. The, the young dancers that are still in a place where they are learning how to to work with their with their technique to learning how to work with engaging into the moment into the exercise they're having a dickens of a time and and with the teacher not there in the room there sometimes attentions wander and focus wanders and if they don't understand the terminology and if their wi-fi is bad and my image is too small oh my goodness so I personally, and I know several of my comrades in the dance world have been bending over backwards to find ways of engaging. So there's, uh, you know, more interaction. There's, in many cases, I, I know that in some of the university dance classes, there's the uh, open access to sharing conversations that, that they allow the students students to be able to have conversations with one another. Uh, so that, you know, you just get that social camaraderie as well. And then the other aspect of it is um, trying to make it fun. We are in the season in which classes always would become more seasonally charged. And there would be spirit weeks or spirit nights or pajama nights. Or I uh, every year hold anatomy classes well, if we're stuck on Zoom, those are going to be a different thing. Am I going to do them? Absolutely. Am I hoping for and looking forward to the future where we can be, replicate them again or duplicate them again? Um, because I don't want them replicated. I want them to be different. <laughs> but in the future, when we can interact differently and, and also be live, oh, that'd be wonderful. Uh, but I feel as though I, I just don't want to, I don't want to undercut or diminish what people are dealing with in this day and age and I think that that's a really good rule of thumb for everyone everywhere I think right now people are exhausted and there's a divisiveness and a polarization occurring in society that makes me really sad and now that I am a year and a half into having social media access I sometimes find myself just shaking my head and closing up my iPad at night because I just don't want to see how angry people are in in the sense that someone writes something and then someone else writes back and it just turns into this pointless argument in which I, I really don't feel that the person who initially may have written an inflammatory comment wants to grow anyways. So I don't think they're open to change and we can't expand our minds or grow as humans unless we're open to it. I don't think that that social media platform really facilitates that. And so when I see it, it just makes me feel a little bit sick. And I feel as though another interesting thing that I wanted to speak towards is three years ago in November, I was diagnosed with the precursors to adrenal fatigue, which actually is a condition that can lead to... Um, well, very, very 
very, sorry, I'm saying a lot of various, it, it can be mortally risky. Um, I was no, nowhere near that level. I hadn't even entered into the full uh, label of you are suffering from adrenal fatigue. It was basically you have the precursors to it. And that state had come from not feeding my body the way it needed to be fed uh, in a sense of protein and slow burning fuels. My supplements were a little bit uh, cockeyed. They weren't helping me in a way that was helpful. Uh, deep down, they were just very superficial. My physical exhaustion from lack of sleep was, it was profound. And my stress levels, my daily stress levels, the kind that hum in your ears, and I know there's so many of you out there that know what I'm talking about, that you don't even really recognize what you're operating like day to day, they were in a place that was just frankly, excuse me, unhealthy. And I went and saw a naturopath. I uh, adjusted my eating habits to have a much higher protein intake. I am a vegetarian, so it, it just took some some deeper thinking and some adjusting because before that I was, I I won't say I was being lazy as a vegetarian, but I was being I guess a little laissez-faire and a little bit content that the way I had always eaten was good enough and it wasn't. And I'm aging and my workload is high. My physical output is high. I'm a mother. I'm, you know, I'm running so many, shall we say, businesses or operations or uh, ways of living, lifestyles, all simultaneously and I expect of myself a very high level of, I guess, energetic existence in my day-to-day interactions. As a teacher, I expect no less than the absolute best I can give in every situation, which I don't feel bad about asking that of myself, but it's it's quite a demand. And given that that expectation was co- trying to coexist with inappropriate care of my body, I had led myself down that path to that health, uh, I guess, diagnosis. And having worked at that for the past three years, I have to say that I am so grateful that I went when I went to a naturopath who helped me so much on that pathway to health because under these current circumstances, I'd be wrecked. And I fear that many of us are walking around barely, barely standing upright, desiccated halls of our former selves. And it's not just one field. It's not just one type of person that's experiencing this. I think it's fair and kind to assume that universally we are all operating at such high levels of adrenaline output and stress and fear and anxiety And none of them should be thought of as less valid than someone else's. And if we just remember that, I think it cuts us some slack on the way we treat ourselves. And I know that it allows us to see people through a slightly different lens when perhaps their behavior is, well, less than grateful, less than uh, respectful, less than positive. Uh, everyone, everyone reacts to stress differently. And 
I don't know. I don't know what the statistics would be if there's ever been a study done like that. But part of me wonders, is it possible to say that more than half of the population reacts to stress in a negative way? I don't know. I imagine I should research that and then I can get back to you on that. Uh, but having sent that, said that, I find it interesting that this time period where for years, um, well, two to five years, there seems to have been more of an emphasis on the mental health and well-being of employees in corporate atmospheres, of athletes in training for elite competitions, of young artists in training, that there has become this new emphasis on the mental skills training of teachers. And I don't think that any of that is negative. And I don't look poorly upon anyone that is trying to better, better the teaching world or the athletic world or the business world by taking the care to think outside the box and to provide some compassionate insight and perhaps positivity to an atmosphere as opposed to the same old, same old expectations, demands, and parameters. I guess my only problem with it is, is that I think we should be like this all the time. I, I don't think that, well, you've heard me speak in the past. I, I don't believe in that, you know, beat them down to build them up sort of thing ever. I've always thought that was just, it was just a, a dysfunction of the human soul that came from almost embracing a low level of verbal abuse. And I, I just, I just disagree with it heartily. So I guess it's fair to say that I have practiced um, the, the art or the, the form of mental skills since, well, since the beginning of time. I think I learned it inadvertently from my mom in treatment of other humans. I think I worked very hard at it in my teens through mostly her mentorship and witnessing her and having her as a sounding board when I was dealing with my very dark, very deep, very negative, fiery emotions. And then as a teacher, it, I think I always relied on teaching to make me a better person because I was always kinder to my students than I was to myself. And in doing so, it was a wonderful mirror, I guess kind of mirror reflection to realize that that's actually a lovely way to, to be and to be treated. And I encourage any of you in a position of authority or power or guidance or mentorship to try to think outside the box, uh, to practice compassionate insight, to feel positivity in complete balance with the negativity because the negativity is an energy force in the world right now that's hard to withstand. But if we can balance it with our own level of positivity, I think that we're definitely moving in the right direction. And I just, I just hope that we can all find a way of remembering that there was a time before this. I was saying this to my students last night. I said, you know, at this time last year, we didn't even know about coronavirus or COVID-19. And we were experiencing none of this. And we certainly weren't looking at a computer, through a computer at each other. And they really reflected on that. And I said, isn't it amazing what a year can do? And I said, even in 
young people in which life, I think, probably feels so incredibly fast for them because there's so many changes happening so rapidly. Even for myself, in which I, th- I think through the, the eyes of a mother, life does tend to go more quickly because you're seeing your child grow oftentimes so quickly that, you know, your heart gets squeezed a little because you're, you're kind of hanging on to the memories of their, their sweet, um, smell-good baby self. But the fact of the matter is, is time is both compressed and elongated when we're under the stresses that we've been under. And so it's hard to imagine a time after this. And it's even hard to imagine the time before. But I guess I just want to encourage everyone to possibly spend some time in that reflection, because I think it will make it easier to be in the moment that we're in right now. And to remember that it's a matter of moving through. Uh, We've been using the phrase getting through, but I feel like that's more indicative of a slog or a struggle or such a deep challenge that you're, you're depleted. And I, I think, I think we're all there already. So I'd like to use the words of, of moving through. And I'd like to say that, yeah, this is the, this is the, I guess, slightly ironically titled love in the time of COVID. And I encourage all of you to find whatever aspects of love in your life, with your friends, with your family, with your animals, with your nature, with uh, your environment, with your policies, with the policies done to you, with your body, with your own health, with your inside thoughts, with your partners, all of those aspects Give them space because I think that is how we are going to be able to breathe deeply and move forward. And I thank you again for joining me in Sarah's space. And I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. I can't even promise exactly when at this point because who knows how quickly December is going to zoom. I swear November went by in one finger snap. And here I am, a mother of a 10-year-old all of a sudden, and looking at the last month of 2020, which has been, I think, probably easy to say, one of the hardest years of my entire life. And I'm pretty sure many of you will agree. So I give you all a huge virtual hug, and I send you all loving thoughts as you go forward And I look forward to seeing you all again at some point. Thank you. Bye.